Good morning, Nachum. Good evening, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pasha's Vo'era. In Pasha's Vo'era, we have the first seven of the makos of the plagues that Hashem brings upon the Egyptians. Now, I think we really have to ask ourselves each and every year the obvious question, why? Why did Hashem have to bring ten plagues upon the Egyptians? He could have very well have brought the last plague immediately. The firstborn of the Egyptians would have died. There would not have been a home where there was not a dead body in it. Paro and the Egyptian people would have run to Moshe and Aaron and said, Get out, lest we all die. And the Jewish people would have left Egypt immediately. Why must there be this process of nine plagues prior to? And what might be at least one of the very important lessons that we are to learn therefrom? I'd like to answer this question with another question, and that is as follows. The Ten Commandments are recorded twice in the Torah, in Parshas Yisro and in Parshas Eschanan. In Parshas Yisro, the Torah tells us the Fourth Commandment is to keep the Shabbos, and the reason that is given for the Shabbos in the Parshas Yisro is that Kisheshes Yomim Oso Hashem is a Shemayim Yisa Oretz. Hashem in six days made the heavens and the earth, and Vayonach Bayom Hashvi'i, and He rested on the seventh day. Therefore, Hashem has a blessed the Shabbos day and commanded us that we are to emulate Him and we too are to desist from any and all creativity on the Shabbos. This is the Ten Commandments as found in Parshas Yisro. The second time the Ten Commandments are found in the Torah in Parshas Vo'eschanan, there the Torah gives us a very different reason. There the Torah tells us, V'zocharto, and you shall remember, Mitzrayim, that you were a slave in Egypt, and God took you out of there with a strong hand, therefore He commanded you to keep and observe the Shabbos. Now I ask you, why are there two different reasons for the Shabbos? And indeed, in the Kiddush that we're going to recite tonight, we mention both. First, we say, Zikaron Lemasei Bereshis, that Shabbos is a remembrance of creation. And then, one line later, we say, Zecher Litzias Mitzrayim. It is a memorial of the exodus from Egypt. Why two different reasons for Shabbos? 
And I'd like to refer you to the Ramban in his commentary on Parshas for Eschanan. And there he says a very important principle, and that is as follows. Says the Ramban, How do we know that God is the Creator after all? Nobody was there until the sixth day. How do we know that God is the Creator? And he answers so brilliantly. Yitzias Mitzrayim, the exodus from Egypt, tells and testifies that God is the Creator. As we see during the course of these makos, of these plagues, that all of nature is literally putty in God's hand, that He can do with what we call nature as He pleases, when He pleases. So the water of Egypt will turn to blood, but only for an Egyptian. For a Jew, it is going to be water. And so you can have a Jew and an Egyptian drinking out of one glass with two straws, and out of that same one glass, the Egyptian is going to drink blood, and the Jew is going to drink water. There's only one way to explain this, and that is nature is his, what we call nature, and he has total control over it. And so I'd like to demonstrate this by, number one, pointing out in conjunction with the seventh makkah, the very last one, and the very end of Parshas Vaera, whereby Paro pleads with Moshe to remove the hail, the seventh plague, and Moshe complies with Paro's request. And he says, Kitsesi Esoir, in chapter 9, beginning with verse 29, when I leave the city, says Moshe, Ephros es kapayel Hashem, I will spread out my hands in prayer to God. And hakolos yechdolun, the thunder will cease and the barad lo od, And the hail will no longer be. Why? Leman that you should know that the earth literally belongs to Hashem. And so what do we find in verse 33? That Moshe leaves Paro leaves the city, he stretches out his hands to Hashem, and the thunder and the hail stop, and listen to the last four words of the verse. And I urge that you take this verse to the chum, to your table tonight. This is chapter 9, verse 33. Umator lo nitach 
At the moment when Moshe prays that it should stop, the hail stops, and the rain did not come down to the earth. What does that mean, says Rashi? It means, Even those hailstones which were in mid-air did not reach the ground. That's correct. You heard me right. Not only were the hail a miracle in of itself, of a mixture of fire and water, something which we cannot even comprehend that they coexisted. But now, listen carefully, when Moshe dove into Hashem, he got instant results. And therefore, any hail that was mid-air stopped. Well, Ask yourself, ask your children, your grandchildren around the table, what should happen to that hail which is in midair? Naturally, you and I would say it would melt and the water would, quote, fall to the ground. Guess what happens? It didn't happen. What do you mean it didn't happen? Whatever happened to gravity? The answer is there's no such thing as a natural law. It means that this is what God wills, and that's what you're going to say every single morning, including Shabbos morning, at the end of the first bracha before the Shema. God renews daily creation. What does that mean? It means that once again, Hashem says, today I want the laws of gravity to work. But at any moment, at any time, literally they can Go just the other way. Let's take a look at the fourth Makkah. The fourth Makkah is that of Orov, whereby you have the wild animals. Now listen carefully. This is such a powerful idea. Take a look. Go back to chapter 8, Pasuk 17, whereby, and just to save time, I'm going to go to the English for... If you do not send out my people, says Hashem, behold, I shall incite against you, your servants, your people, and your houses, a swarm of wild beasts, and the houses of Egypt will be filled with the swarm, and even the ground upon which they were. The last five words of that verse, the Gamho Adama. Also, the earth, the ground, upon which they are. What is the they referring to? So the Sferno, in his commentary, says, what do you mean, what does it refer to? It refers to the houses, which the previous phrase has been speaking about, that the wild animals are going to fill the houses of Egypt, and even the earth, the ground that the houses are upon, are not going to provide safety and refuge for the homeowners. Not only will there be snakes there, but the ground itself is going to be so tenuous because of all the wild animals there. Listen carefully. The Medrash has an additional, different take on these words, and perhaps it explains why the word that's used to describe this fourth makkah is literally orov, which means a mixture, a mixture of these wild animals. Why call it a mixture? Now listen so carefully. 
you could think for the moment that, oh my goodness, all the zoo in Egypt, all of a sudden, the cages literally, and the locks upon them broke, so we now have wild animals running around. But that is just a small piece of the picture. What happened here was as follows. In order for these animals to function and to be able to um, provide the annoyance that Hashem wanted them to do, they needed to be in their natural habitat. And so, those animals that came from the North Pole, Hashem brought them and literally the ground that is under them as well, so that they should feel literally as if they are, not in Egypt, but if they are in the North Pole. Those animals that live by the equator, they were brought to Egypt as well. And Hashem brought Gam, as the verse says, God brought the earth that was under them. At the same time in Egypt, you've got the ground, which is providing the environment and nourishment for animals of such extreme diversity in terms of location that this literally boggles the mind. We can't even imagine how such a miracle is possible that both extremes were operating at the same time. When you take a step back and you realize what's happening here, then you realize that Hashem, who certainly could have taken them out of Egypt with one simple bringing of the tenth plague, by bringing all the other plagues prior, is making us realize the incredible Hashkocha Pratis, God's personal involvement in this world. God, not only not only in a collective way, but in a personal, individual way. As the Gemara tells us in Tanis 25a, that Reb Hanina ben Dosa, who was so impoverished, and one Friday his daughter was so frustrated and said, Abba, We don't even have any oil to light the Shabbos lights. So what was his famous answer to Amisha Omar, the one who said that oil should burn, should say that water should burn. Now we are not even permitted to pray for such a miracle. But Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa, who was on that kind of a madrega, who recognized and realized that Everything about us is all miraculous because it all stems from God. And even what we call nature is only the habitual desire of God that these laws function as they do. It changes our whole perspective on life. It changes our whole perspective on how we look at things. And it's for that reason that these makos were not simply punitive for the Egyptians, but these makos were very much educational and instructive for the Jewish people then and 
for we, the Jewish people, who are privileged to read this annually, and this is our preparation for, please God, in a few weeks, Kabbalah Torah. who is the one that is giving us the Torah? He is not just the legislator for the entire world, but literally the one who is in total control. Shabbat Shalom to all.